All right, News Roundup, Information Overload, Hour 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. We'll get to your calls coming up straight ahead. Um, in New York today, the the draconian measures are back. Uh, it is mandated you must wear a mask full-time indoors, even if you have the your vaccination passport, even if you have the booster. doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Even if you just got a test, even if you just got over COVID, uh, of course, one size fits all rules for everybody. The city of New York, I believe it's this week, will now institute a mandate for children five to 11 that either they are vaccinated or they can't go anywhere. They can't go to a restaurant. They can't go to a store. They can't go inside any place anywhere in New York City. Uh, it's insanity. Uh, just the opposite. Now, think about this, too. Schools in Florida opened in August of 2020. They've not had problems with kids down in Florida for the entire time. Now, if we followed the science in Florida, they could learn a thing or two in New York. But, of course, that would be way too much for them to ask. Um, remember, Democrats have promised... Uh, that there won't be any mandates. We can't mandate. Biden said it. Saki said it. Pelosi said it. CDC head. Walensky said it. The flip-flopping Fauci said they all said it. Listen. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. Um, that is the role that institutions, private sector entities, uh, and others may take. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. I am all for um, more vaccination, um, but uh, you know, I, I have nothing further to say on that except that we're looking into those policies. And and quite honestly, as people are doing that locally, um, those are those are individual local decisions as well. I don't think you'll ever see a mandating of vaccine particularly for the general public i don't think you'll ever see a mandate for a vaccine flip-flop fauci well we have it all then of course now fauci wants americans to check your own family's vaccin vaccination status before you allow them in your home over the holidays listen when you get vaccinated and you have a vaccinated group and you are in an indoor setting, you can enjoy, as we have traditionally over the years, dinners and gatherings within the home with people who are vaccinated. And that's the reason why people should, if they invite people over their home, essentially ask and maybe require that people show evidence that they are vaccinated or give their honest and good faith word that they've been vaccinated. Oh, okay. So we'll do that. I guess that's the next family argument. Turkey legs will be flying across the Christmas table. Fauci, uh, not a matter of if, but when the definition of fully vaccinated will change. In other words, if you've been vaccinated and you don't get the booster and then the booster after the booster and then the next booster, I guess you're not vaccinated. Listen. But certainly if you want to talk about what optimal protection is, 
I don't think anybody would argue that optimal protection is going to be with a third shot. Whether or not it officially gets changed in the definition, I think that's going to be considered literally on a daily basis. That's always on the table. Always on the table because this and this discussion's been going on for a bit. And I was just kind of with this data coming in this morning, I'm kind of stuck with is it a matter now of when, not if, the definition yeah. of fully vaccinated changes? You know, my own personal opinion, Kate, is what you said is correct. It's going to be a matter of when, not if. When, not if. Uh, in New York, just to mention, there wasn't even a single case of Omicron, the Omicron variant in New York at all. And the new governor, Hochul, comes out with an executive order directing all these hospitals in New York to cease all elective procedures beginning today. Now, they could have followed Florida's model and, and create monoclonal antibody centers all over the place, uh, which oh, I keep hearing nothing but great things about them. But you'd have to ask your doctor. I refuse to play one on radio or TV. Anyway, she did this on November the 26th, an executive order declaring a disaster emergency in the state of New York, which allows the state to stop all elective procedures in hospitals. Well, um, that's not good to for people that need so let's say cancer diagnosed early uh, or other screenings that are very imperative or other procedures that maybe it doesn't matter to the governor, but matter a lot to the people of New York. But again, New York goes their own way. And between this dopey mayor who, you know, we can't get rid of him fast enough. This is what they've had. Anyway, there was a letter sent signed by numerous members of Congress, led by New York uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, uh, saying that the Civil Rights Act of 64 puts New York's healthcare workers in an impossible position between choosing their careers and what they feel is the best choice for them and their families. I mean, the same, you know, we're back to the same mandate for nurses and doctors and hospital workers, many of whom were diving on COVID grenades in, in March, April, and May of 2020 and every day since. Uh, and working in COVID Petri dishes, many of whom have natural immunity. But you can't talk about the science of natural immunity either. Anyway, Congresswoman Stefanik joins us. Uh, welcome back, Congresswoman. How are you? Good to be with you, Sean. So when I last checked the CDC website, the percentage of young people ages 5 to 11 that had died throughout the entire pandemic was about 162 or 0.0008 percent. Of, of that population. And now in New York City, they're mandating that no child can go into a restaurant or a store unless they're vaccinated. Your thoughts on that part, then we'll get to the governor. Well, this is a significant unconstitutional government overreach. Sean, at the beginning of your show, you played excerpts and quotes uh, by President Joe Biden, by Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, by Anthony Fauci and by Speaker Pelosi, when many of them went on the record saying there would not be mandates, that it was not the role of the federal government, and yet they have continued to push and push and push this government control. Um, COVID, any death from COVID is a tragedy. However, we need to ensure that we are not allowing the government to really politicize this and not follow the science and not follow public health. And when it comes to our kids, we get so many calls in my office about this intrusion, uh, whether it was masking in schools or now whether we're hearing about the uh, New York City not allowing young people to go to public places unless they have been vaccinated. That is absurd. Frankly, it's un-American. 
You know, it really is unbelievable. Now, have you gotten any response to your letter that you sent to the governor as it relates to her guidelines that she's putting into place, uh, ceasing elective uh, procedures in hospitals? We have not gotten response. And what's concerning to me is, um, first of all, at the, the, the first hospital in the country that had to limit and close down their maternity unit was in my district in Lewis County, uh, New York, which is a rural part of the North Country. And that was due to the vaccine mandates when already hospitals are facing a labor shortage in New York State. That was further exacerbated by Kathy Hochul. This decision to cease elective procedures, that's going to be devastating not only to the hospitals who have faced fiscal challenges over the past few years. I worked very hard to deliver hundreds of millions of dollars of funds to hospitals in my district at the height of COVID. And now they're going to be hit with this fiscal challenge as well, ceasing that. But most importantly, the people it impacts the most are the patients. We're going to have poor health outcomes in the long term because, as you point out, that means people kick the can down the road on cancer screenings, on important procedures that in many ways are life or death. You know, and that's the whole point, especially when you're looking for early detection. Um, what do you feel about all of these, this talk of we're, we're going to bring in the National Guard and we're going to replace all the nurses and doctors and, and, and hospital workers, uh, and fire people because they refuse to get vaccinated? These are the very people that I thought we were calling heroes 18 months ago for willingly putting their lives on the line, walking into a COVID Petri dish every day to save lives of strangers and and fellow citizens and and diving on COVID uh, grenades, you know, doing 16-hour shifts every day, many of which got natural immunity themselves. They ended up getting it themselves. Well, Governor Hochul is realizing that our doctors and nurses are irreplaceable. Uh, they are heroes, and they were on the front lines throughout this pandemic. I spent a lot of time, uh, particularly over the past two years, talking to doctors, nurses, medical professionals in my district who were ensuring that they were serving our community uh, at the height of COVID, and then to penalize them and not listen to their perspective and not allow them to make their own personal health choices when it comes to the vaccine, that was the wrong decision by Governor Hochul, and it was a result of her decision that now we face shortages, staffing shortages across the region. We face, you know, a lower quality of rural health care, which is a challenge. I mean, I just had a baby, my first child, in August of this year, and when I think about my constituents who live in rural parts that have to travel even further to get to a maternity unit, that is unacceptable, and it is a result of Governor Hochul and previously Governor Cuomo's failed leadership. Congrats, by the way, on the new baby. Um, uh, what is your reaction to New York City Council, the New York City Council approving a measure to allow nearly 800,000 non-citizens to vote in local elections? It's unconstitutional. It's illegal. We need to do everything we can, and we are, uh, as Republicans in New York, to fight back. But as I've said, it's not just Republicans. Every American should be concerned about this. When we're talking about election integrity and talking about making sure that we're protecting the constitutionality of elections, this is just a step way too far to the left. It's almost hard to believe that they are that out of touch with reality, that they would push this through allowing illegal immigrants, non-American, non-U.S. citizens to vote in municipal elections. So it's absurd. We need to challenge it in the courts. You can't even make it up. Congresswoman, we appreciate it. Keep us updated on, on the progress and see if you get a response to let us know, please. Thank you.
Quick break. We'll come back. We'll hit the phones. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program as we uh, roll along on this Monday. Well, let's go to our busy phones here. Patrick is in Florida. Patrick, you're on the uh, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called. Good afternoon, Mr. Hannity. It's a pleasure to talk to you. The pleasure uh, is all mine. What's going on? Well, for just real quick, I wanted to tell you you have a wonderful staff, including the young lady, Katie. You just have great people surrounding you. I, I have the best team in, in all of radio. There's no doubt about it. Katie is wonderful, and we're lucky to have everybody. And more Linda is needed. We like Linda. Oh, good grief. Right, stop. She's already gotten to getting a big head. Let's stop with the Linda talk. She's a wonderful lady, too. First of all, well, by the way, to- do you like her New York accent? I love it because it reminds me, and that's what was what I was going to talk about. Is my mother-in-law, who actually was from North Attleboro in Massachusetts, and um, had talk. Of a she's interaction. Linda. Say talk radio. Talk radio. Talk radio. <laughs> that's how his mother-in-law said it. That's what Let he was about to tell say, us, right? All right. Say in the morning, I wake up and I get a cup of coffee. In the morning, I wake up. I get several cups of coffee. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you, you, no, no, she's not saying it the real. Say it how you really say it. That is how I really. Coffee. That's not how you, you know. really say it. It's coffee. It's talk. That is radio. how I say it. Coffee. It's coffee. 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 It's not coffee. It's coffee. Again, it's coffee. Set up for my mother-in-law, who is not with us anymore, but lived a long life. But unfortunately, she was uh, diagnosed years ago with Alzheimer's, and we watched that take. Uh, her faculties, and it's a horrible thing to watch, and I hope sometime in my lifetime we have a cure for it, but she fortunately did not get to the uh, very late stages, which are really, really bad, I understand. In Joe Biden, at least, those I see those same things happening, you know, the stories he tells, and he literally, when you watch him tell them, he believes them wholeheartedly, and I used to see my mother-in-law do that, and my wife would kind of go, that's not really true. And we would correct her. And after a while, we'd just let her tell the stories, and she enjoyed them. But they were things like Joe Biden does. And I just, I, I just think it's horrible that his own family, including his wife, would let him go through this publicly and watch him deteriorate on the national stage. And it just look. I I I personally believe that everybody around him knows he's in cognitive decline, and they just they they have created walls around him, unlike any other president or presidency that I can think of historically. uh, Certainly in our lifetime, Uh, I know that President Reagan, post his presidency, announced that he had Alzheimer's. Um, and some say, well, we saw the early signs of it. I didn't really see it in Reagan at all. Reagan stayed sharp as a tack to me. Um, but in Joe Biden, you do see what you see. Now we have polls out showing a majority of the American people see it. And I think they knew about this from day one. And I think it's a, a horrible moment of dishonesty. And obviously people are... They don't seem to care that much about him. They don't care about how it impacts the country. They don't care about how it impacts the world. And that, to me, is a very dangerous moment for the country and the world. Because now we have hostile regimes, enemy countries that are going to take full advantage of it. And that's that's a little scary, what we see happening, which we keep talking about. Quick break, right back. Your call's on the other side, straight ahead. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Chris, South Carolina. What's up, Chris? Glad you called. Hey, thanks for taking my call. 
first off, I'd uh, like to wish you and your humble staff an early Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you. This is actually my last week before I, I disappear and I try to find God over the holidays and uh, recharge my battery and come back loaded, ready to go. Next year, it is going to be from day one. It's the battle of the future of this great republic. And so uh, yes, Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you. Um, so I was calling because here in South Carolina, we've kind of been getting bombarded on the radio with an ad from the Department of Health and Human Resources. Um, and it's all about the vaccinating for the 5 to 11-year-old category. And in this advertisement, uh, they make the claim, and uh, quote, specifically formulated just for them. I'm not aware of a fourth vaccine. Is this a vaccine? That you mean like a booster? No, they're they're talking about you know it, it's one of those kind of mushy advertisements with the whole future lawyers yada yada yada. Now you can protect them by giving them this vaccine that's quote specifically formulated just for them. And I'm mean, wondering, right. is this really one of the three existing vaccines that they're giving a lesson? No, this is of? the emergency um, version for kids 5 to 11. You know, but again, let's use their mantra. And that is, OK, follow the science. The science shows right. that it's nearly not quite, but nearly the equivalent of the number of deaths. Very low that we get for kids. Uh, with the flu every year, and in most cases, you're talking about kids that have other conditions as well. Um, this is not impacting children at this level. As evidence, I'll give you some science to look at. Look at Florida, for example. Their, the kids have been in-person learning since August of 2020, and we've not had this major outbreak of kids dying from COVID down in Florida. Now, that would be anecdotal, but if they wanted to do a study on it, they could, but they don't want to because it goes against their their one size fits all narrative, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've been shaking my head at this this whole scenario. Um, it's just it's baffling. Sad. Anyway, I uh, appreciate the call, Chris. But at least he, Chris lives in a smart state. He lives in South Carolina. New York is they've lost their minds here. Uh, Sarah is in California. They lost their minds out there, too. Anyway, Sarah, how are you? Glad you called. Hi, good. Nice to talk to you, Sean. Um, so I'm calling in regards to the vaccine mandate. I'm an emergency room nurse. I work out here in Northern California. Um, and I had applied for a religious exemption back in August. That was initially approved. And then my company that I work for came back and questioned my religious exemption, which I found to be, you know, obnoxious it's my yeah right. i mean it's my it's my belief how can you question that so i did what can, I, can I ask I you a question first questions. of all you're working in er and you worked all through COVID, i assume as an emergency room nurse right yeah and every day you put your life on the line for other people knowing that any patient you came in contact with is very possibly could have COVID as well right correct you don't have to answer this question. Did you ever get COVID? I did not. Okay. So you, you, this is your personal decision based on your, your, your religious beliefs. Now, you went into a Petri, COVID Petri dish every day. You dove on COVID hand grenades every day to save other people. 
how would how can anybody consider in good conscience letting somebody like you go when you risked your life throughout this whole pandemic i i could not live with myself being that type of person yeah it's very frustrating and so i i gave them more information um which they had requested and about i think it's been about two weeks now um they came back and actually denied my religious exemption. And the email that I got from HR said basically that I was going to get put out on unpaid leave if I didn't get the vaccine within five days. And then if I didn't get the vaccine by January, I was going to be terminated. I, I, you know, I don't know what to say to you. I mean, 18 months ago, I thought we were looking at people like yourself in the middle of the worst of this pandemic in hospitals risking their lives every day when we knew nothing about it you know we we thought you were the heroes of the pandemic and i still believe that by the way because if you well, ask me you. if i would have wanted to go into a hospital every day or an emergency room like you did every day in the middle of a pandemic the answer to the question is not really not that wouldn't be my favorite workplace my workplace of choice um the only thing i can tell you is Either get a good lawyer or Linda, the name of the group, but we have the Liberty uh, Alliance. Liberty Justice Center. So the Liberty Justice Center will will put the information on Hannity.com, and they're helping people like you that deserve to be treated better. You risked your lives for every you risked your life every day for everybody else. I think I think you deserve to have the benefit of the doubt on your you know personal religious deeply held religious beliefs uh anyway keep us in the loop we're going to get that information to you uh sarah thank you 800-941-SEAN is our number you want to be a part of the program uh this is going to be interesting uh dennis in georgia welcome to the program glad you called sir sean hannity is a pleasure and honor to talk to you i have been listening to you for since 1990 when you're in atlanta at that other uh, radio station. Uh, the, uh, the, the other ex-radio wife, the one in Atlanta, ex, <laughs> as, as Neil Borch used to always say. Uh, what's going on, my friend? Well, I just wanted to, to call, and number one, I want to say that, uh, you know, uh, I am a conservative. I am a, um, uh, pro-life, and I am a, uh, like yourself, I, I am a follower of Christ conservative, and I do vote Republican. I am a true Trump supporter, went to all the rallies, and had a big four foot by eight foot Trump in my sign, sign in my yard because somebody stole my three small ones, made me upset. But, um, I, you know, I got the other day when you were talking to, um, Bill O'Reilly and, um, we're saying how Kemp can't win and stuff. And it, I, I love you guys, man. I do. And, and I love Trump. I will support him. I hope he runs in. 2024 all right but you got something on your uh, mind just let it out you don't have all you don't need to give me all the caveats i understand you're allowed to, di- to right. have a different I, point I, I of view i think you guys are reading um camp wrong camp has okay. brian kemp has been a great governor for uh for the state of georgia economy wise he has brought all kinds of jobs to georgia and our economy is booming and has helped us through the uh through the covid covid has been brilliant on that he was one of the first um governors to open up the state even in in spite of everybody beating up on him which i think they should apologize to him for that and um so and he's also stood up to hollywood and kept hollywood um kept georgia georgia instead of letting hollywood come in and influence and change our state um so listen i i stood corrected i when when kemp first 
opened up the state and I'll, even the member of the big deal over the tattoo parlors at that point in COVID, I'm like, really? Tattoo parlors seems a little far fetched to me. Um, and it ended up that, that he made the right call. And I, and I corrected myself on the air and I said he made the right call. The pr- here's, I'm looking at the political reality of it. The political reality is, in my opinion, that the majority of the Trump base is not going to vote for Brian Kemp. Remember, it was under Kemp and Rasberger uh, that they made that consent agreement, which I thought was the worst deal ever made after the Democratic Party of Georgia, uh, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and others joined in a lawsuit to get the voting laws changed in Georgia. And and this is where I think a lot of problems came in for 2016. And they're responsible for all of that. And then then didn't want to take any responsibility for any of it. Um, I thought when they were going to do a review Instead of picking Cobb County, which is not the first county I would look to as being problematic, I would look to Fulton and DeKalb. You know that I lived in Georgia. Um, sure. I thought that was the wrong decision as well. I also think, uh, no offense to Kelly Leffler, I think Kelly Leffler was chosen by Kemp, not because she was the best candidate, because she was a self-funder, and the hope would be that she would back Kemp in his reelection this time meaning 2022, if she was a senator who took the place of Johnny Isaacson. So um, in that sense, I, I, I think he made a lot of enemies, and I don't think he can beat Stacey Abrams because I don't think the Trump base will vote for Kemp. It's really simple math for me. David Perdue, um, I happen to like a lot. He's not the most dynamic candidate in the world, but, you know, this, 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 this is going to have ramifications deep and wide. I think Stacey Abrams lying to Rachel Maddow about accepting the the, the 2018 uh, election results is just total BS. And I think that'll be a campaign ad at some point, I would imagine. But I think David is the better candidate, the unifying candidate for the Republicans. And otherwise, if it's Kemp, I think it's going to hurt Herschel Walker. And we really need that Senate seat as well. We need the governorship and we need the Senate seat. I totally agree with that, but I just feel that, uh, and look, I, I love um, uh, David Perdue. I think he was a great senator, and I have nothing bad to say about him. Well, why don't you just let him fight it out and assume at the end of the process? Well, because it's going to oh, muddy the waters. Basically, that's going to end up muddying the waters, and it's, then they're going to yeah, it's going to open it up for Stacey Abrams to come in and win, and then I'm going to have to live in the I don't think that's going to be Adams, the reason. Nobody wants that. The problem is, do you, you, you may just disagree with my premise. I am telling you in my analysis that the Trump sure. America first MAGA agenda supporting conservatives in Georgia are not enthusiastic at all. They're quite negative on Kemp and Raffsberger for the reasons I stated. Well, I don't is know that true or false? Because I am one of them. I know, but is, I, but is my statement... Is my Hang on, you are one, okay, so you're different. But is my statement generally right on? Went to all the, I mean, I went to all the rallies. I am one of those guys, and I speak to all the... the I'm not asking like you that. Me, Do you think the majority him. of Donald Trump supporters like Kemp... I think they would prefer him over um, uh, David Perdue any day of the week. No way. I think they may they may say some things, but secretly they know what he, what Kemp has done. Listen, uh, I'm not saying Kemp Georgia hasn't done has good things. Great. I I give it. You know, I'm I'm just saying, in my view, your analysis about the Trump voter is going to be wrong here. And if you're wrong, 
and now I'll even say if I'm wrong, the ramifications are significant because that'll impact the Senate race with Herschel. I don't want that to happen. I do believe that the consensus candidate, the one that can bring both factions of the Republican Party in Georgia together uh, would be David Perdue. But you and I just have a disagreement on it. Well, I'll tell you what. Stay right there. Let's bring in Joe from Ella J. He's also in Georgia. Do you yeah, agree right. with my analysis that Kemp has alienated a, a pretty significant portion of the um, America first, make America great again, yeah, conservative base I, in Georgia. I, do. I like Brian. I know him, but I think David Perdue is by far the stronger candidate. I'd vote for David Perdue for president of the United States, Sean. If he was so strong, then he should have beaten Ossoff, don't you think? If he I, was so strong in Georgia, I mean... I think I we mean, lost Joe. Uh, let, me, let me answer that question. I, I, I told people in November... And I was I was speaking at length with pollsters, Robert Cahalia, Trafalgar, Insider Advantages, Matt Towery. And Linda, tell me, testify that this is true or false. And I said then, because we did polling, they did polling, and I analyzed it, and they did internal polling. And it was from that point, there was no way, because there was such anger at the way it was handled, and the cons once people began to become aware of this consent agreement that was not discussed often before the election that Kemp and Raffsberger had a role in, there was such anger that there was no way that I thought either one of them had a chance to win. As a matter of fact, I won a thousand dollars from a very prominent Republican uh, because I told him he said, no way they're going to win. I said, you're dead wrong. They're not going to win. I didn't think it's going to be close, but they're not going to win. No, and yeah, I ended up being right there. I wish I was wrong. about that. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Loaded up tonight. Uh, Democratic Party imploding. Uh, the final push for Build Back Better, New Green Deal Socialism. We examined the real cost. Lindsey Graham took out the accounting gimmicks, got the CBO to score it. Now the Democrats that used to say the CBO is the gold standard, uh, they don't want to talk about that anymore. Uh, Ari Fleischer, Reince Priebus, Senator Lindsey Graham, Clay Travis, Joe Bastardi on the politicizing and weaponizing of weather. Mark Meadows under fire for saying, oh, we were being proactive because we didn't want trouble in the Capitol. And Mike Rowe, all tonight at 9, Hannity on Fox, set your DVR. We'll see you tonight, back here tomorrow. You make this show possible. We never forget it. And we'll be back here tomorrow.